It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Yeah. I want to pull like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing with the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And join with me on the other line, my guy, Osmond Bank. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good, buddy. Just uh, trying to enjoy the holidays. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Osmond. I'm just, I, I'm actually like, in between holiday parties as we speak right now. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this should be a very uh, interesting podcast because uh, I, I will be speaking very uh, lucidly and freely. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, man. But, uh, no, man, we're here to talk about uh, the Wizards and, you know, a couple of hot topics, uh, things that are going on with the team. Um, I think, I mean, if you're talking about Wizards basketball right now, you have to lead with uh, Davis Bertans, who is literally lighting the NBA by storm right now. Um, I mean, with the, the weight that he's uh, hitting three-pointers, especially over the last uh, five or six games where he's uh, especially kind of heated up from beyond the arc. Like, I think that Davis Bertans, he presents a, a very, very tough dilemma for the Wizards. And, I mean, we're just going to get right to it. I mean, uh the, the team has – they're going to come to a fork-in-the-road decision with what to do with Davis Bertans once the uh, NBA's trade uh, period opens on December 15th. And it's going to be a thing like, what should they do? Should they trade him? Like, this is a very nuanced topic. It's not like, oh, that you should either be in the – you should trade him camp or you should be in the not trade him camp. It's like, you know, what, what are you getting for him uh, if, if you do trade him? And if you want to keep him, like, what are you, do you want to sign him for? So it's a very nuanced and layered topic. Let's start with the basics of what have you thought about Bertans as a player, and would you be interested in keeping him for the long term? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I'd be crazy if I said they should not keep – or they should not at least attempt to keep Davis Bertans. Um, I thought he'd be good when he get, when he got here uh, just because – I mean, look, he was—he's a deadly shooter. I saw a couple of games last year, one especially one against the Wizards, where he was—he was literally just like like cooking, and he was—he was actually even drove a couple times off the three-point line. And I was like, who's this guy that looks at that? You know, who's this guy that looks like Przingis out there? You know, <laughs> draining threes from like four feet behind the line, driving to the hoop. I mean, like, so when he came here, I was like, okay, he's not going to be bad. You stretch him out on the floor, he's gonna. He's going to knock down some threes at a high rate, probably shooting like the 40, you know, plus 40%. And I thought he'd be good. And he has, I don't think anyone expected this level. They've kind of unleashed a side of Bertans that we never saw in San Antonio. And he's gone from just being, oh, hey, he's a nice stretch four guy you could bring off the bench to wait. When he's on the floor, the entire, the, the, the other team, all five defenders have to key in and know exactly where he is at any time. 
because he comes in shooting and he could bring, he could cut a deficit. We saw it against Charlotte a couple nights ago. He cut a 20 point lead to, I think he brought the Wizards, the Wizards jumped ahead for a minute and it was really just his shooting and they couldn't stop him. <laughs> the crowd in Charlotte was screaming for him. Yeah, I mean, the guy goes on 9-0 runs by himself. <laughs> right, and it's like instantaneous. It's like back-to-back possessions. I mean, he is impacting the game in a way that there's no way they could have, like anyone could have really expected. So he's absolutely exceeded expectations over here. So it would be crazy to say, hey, we don't want him. We don't want him here. He's only 27 years old. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm right there with you. I think that when we talk about Bertans, we have to look at, like, the difference between his role in San Antonio and his role in uh, Washington. You know, whereas in San Antonio, they have, you know, uh, so many uh, – he was actually he actually played uh, with Kawhi Leonard in, in one of Kawhi's best seasons uh, as a spur, like his kind of breakout season as a spur, the, uh, the, the one that was marred by uh, the, the Zaza Pachulia injury in the playoffs. But um, they, mm-hmm. they were actually teammates, and, and so – like he he was really never a focal point of the offense in San Antonio. He was really just a guy that you know kind of stood around in the corners, and you know he was a dead deadly knockdown three point shooter. But it, it was really just like you know being a very ancillary role player and not really being heavily involved in the offense. Whereas in Washington, I think that you know that, that this was an opportunity for him because not only is he he's playing you know a little bit more minutes than he he, he has played in the past, but I think that his usage is is the thing that you know I'm looking at is the fact that Washington is using him in so many uh, different ways where you know they're 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 pretty much running their you know second unit offense through Bertans, and so I think that that opportunity has been great for him, and so when, when that that's I think has to be a plus from his side when he's looking at uh, you know where, where he wants to play next year, and I think that really I think that this all boils down to what. Dallas Bartons wants to do. So right. we can say as much as we want that, oh, you know, we want to keep him and we want to offer him a deal. But at the end of the day, the player has to want to be here. And because he has uh, – he's an unrestricted free agent, uh, it, it, I mean, he, he could literally leave for absolutely nothing and they couldn't match or do anything and, and they wouldn't get anything for him. And this is where I think that it will be very important for Tommy Shepard's uh, – interpersonal skills to, to really be able to shine through because, I mean, it, it, it'll all come down to, like, the relationship that uh, that Tommy Shepard has with Bertans and with Bertans' agent and them being able to come to some type of agreement. I mean, this is probably – this is a conversation that he literally has to have with him right now because I'm sure that there will be teams calling him on Sunday, you know, on, on the day of the 15th trying to get him. So this is right. this is like a a very nuanced situation that he's going to have to navigate and try to to figure out. I mean, if Bertans is interested in being here, and so if if the player is interested in being here, and if they can work something out, and you know, I, I saw some numbers today, you know, that he could get paid between fifteen and twenty million. And, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of with that. Obviously, I would prefer if we were lower on that fifteen million uh, mm-hmm. end. But I think that you know that th- he's a guy that they should want to keep. And Tommy Shepard should do – he should start working literally right now on trying to massage their relationship and at least figure out what it is that Bertans wants to do. Right. That's a great point. Um, obviously, we all if, – if it was our choice or if he was a restricted free agent, you'd say, yes, keep Bertans. But a lot of it does come down to what does he want. So it is up to Tommy Shepard. And, and one of the good things that I think uh, at least the, the idea that, or kind of the – 
um, how Tommy Shepard, how, how he comes off is that he has good personal skills, interpersonal skills, and he has good communication skills. What we've, continu- what we've continuously heard is that he has great relationships amongst, like, everyone in the league likes him. He's, you know, he just talks to everyone all the time. So, ideally, that includes Bertans and his representatives. He really has to get to the bottom of it to see, hey, does it, does Davis see this as kind of just like kind of a platform for him to showcase himself to the league? Or does he view this as, hey, I'm enjoying finally breaking out and being able to do pretty much anything he wants to do here? Whereas, look, I even checked it back. In San Antonio, he started 12 games last year. Even in those 12 games, he only averaged like 8.6 points. Like he just, you know, the way he's being used here is entirely different from the way he was used in the past. And I know that's, you know um, – what you know, Scott Brooks gets a lot of criticism amongst Wizards Twitter, and just kind of just you know, just for the work that he's done here, he's he's kind of always uh, he's uh, he's a a subject that has like, a polarizing. You either you know, there's a lot of negative opinions there in terms of how things have got, have gone here during his tenure. That being said, you got to give him credit for what he has allowed Bertans to do here. He's he's allowed him to tap into something that Popovich, who, like, is one of the greatest coaches of all time, couldn't tap into or didn't tap into. And, uh, you know, each coach can make a mistake. Popovich, make, made, you know, clearly had made a mistake yeah. given what we're seeing for Bertans now. Um, but that goes to what you said. I mean, after not having this role for so many years, there's no guarantee if Davis goes to a contender that he, yes, they will use him because they're going to give away, you know, they're going to obviously have to trade an asset and you'd want to use something that you trade an asset for and they will try to feature him. But he's not going to be featured at this degree. He's not going to get the get the shots, get the minutes, get the attempts on a on a Milwaukee or like a, a Philadelphia that he is here. They're going to use them as a tradi- traditional. Hey, Cal Corver, just run around and we'll give you like six or seven shots a game, or maybe eight shots a game, just running on screens. Over here, he could he could pull from half court and no one will say anything. Stop Brooks would be like, okay, you know, go ahead, you from half court. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think, like, Bertans, like, there, there has to be a sense of him as a player that, that you know, he is seizing this opportunity to play. Like, everybody, he didn't grow up, like, you know, in Latvia and wanted to be, you know, a good role player. Like, you know, like, he, I'm sure he wants to be a, a, an NBA star. I'm sure he wants to make all-star games. And, you know, in, in his mind, and as great as he thinks he is, he's a very confident guy. You know, um, you know, they, 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 I mean, he's very confident with his jump shot and, mm-hmm. you know, has been so since he's got here from media day until now, like letting the media know that, you know, he's confident in his shot. But I think that he, he sees that he has an opportunity to, to really, you know, I don't know, make a mark in the league. Like if he plays with the Wizards, like he could get his average up to, you know, 17 points, maybe 18 points possibly if if they if they were to give him uh, more minutes if he were to play with a great point guard like John Wall who could literally spoon feed him uh, open jump shots like he's done for so many other um, uh, three point shooters in the past you know I I think that that's a great selling point if 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 they can sell him on you know having an opportunity to play and have a major role in a in a in a, in a rebuilding team. And, you know, like, quiet is kept, like, they could pay him, you know, a good amount of money, too. And I think that if, if they were to give him, if they were to negotiate, um, I would I would prefer to pay him a, a lower uh, average per year number with longer years. So, like, I would give him, the guy's, what, he's 27 years old right now? He's, he's right. turned 27 uh, during this season. I would give him a four-year deal uh, right now at $15 million apiece, you know, four years. 
what, what would that be, $60 million? Like, I, I, don't, I would not have a problem with that at all because I think that he, his game in today's NBA is something that could very well translate. And he's not just a shooter. He's a good athlete. He's very fluid. He's 6'10". Uh, he can rise up over a lot of different people. You know, I, I just, I, I would, I would, if I could, if I were Tommy Shepard, man, I'd tell his agent on the, get him on the handshake on the four-year $60 million deal <laughs> and, you know, and tell every team that, they, that we can't trade unless we're getting three first-round draft picks. Like, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you have to, you have to approach it that way because I think prior to the season, the thought was, yes, you possibly trade him. If you get a high second-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick, that's great. If you trade Dallas Bertans the way he's playing now and all you get in return is a late first, and a late first realistically, they might contribute, but most likely they're not going to immediately contribute and they're not, definitely not going to contribute to the level of Dallas Bertans. So you still, taking it to the context, the greater context of the team, they're not looking to do a long rebuild. They're looking to do a quick rebuild because Brad Beal has assigned an extension, but that extension still only adds one one or two more years, depending on if he wants to opt out. So you, you have still a decision to make with him in the next 12 to 24 months. You still have John coming back, and, you know, because of his contract, he's not movable, so he's a fixture here. So if he's here, you're going to try to win. So, um, you know, you it, the way it would look if you trade him replace them with someone that's not going to contribute. It's not going to, it wouldn't sit well with the veterans on the team, and it doesn't really sit well with the current direction of the team. So if you trade him, it has to be for a premium. That means you have to go to the contenders that want him, that want a, you know, a sniper like that, and say, look, it's, not going, to, it's going to be more than your late first-round pick. I'm going to need a young player on a rookie contract who could contribute right away plus a pick. You know? and, then, and that's the cost, and it is what it is. But again, I think the ideal is for a player who just turned 27, and whose game should age pretty well. I mean, he shoots, he's a tall shooter. I mean, he's a tall guy, shoots with a high release point. I don't think you have issues of worried, well, you know, you're not worried about him aging and at 30 years old, all of a sudden not being able to get off his shot because he's still going to be able to rise above people and, or just, you know, and just shoot the ball. So I don't think you're going to have those issues there. So a three, four, three or four year deal is, is fine in my opinion. And the other thing, like, um, this discussion, obviously, with Bertans has been kind of a, a Twitter topic, and it's always like, oh, how could you pay, how could you pay him? You're already paying Wall and Beal. Well, they got rid of Otto Porter's contract last year, and that opened up flexibility. So I was kind of just doing some back-of-the-napkin math over here and just kind of just plugging in the roster, adding in maybe a, a top-five pick, using the full M, a mid-level exemption next year, and having money for your second-round pick. His cap hold is already $14 million. Just including his capital at $14 million, if the tax line, tax line doesn't change, there's still room under that tax line of about 7 to seven to $9 million. So there's room to pay him. They could pay him a little even more than his capital, like you were saying, like the 4 for 60 type deal or even higher. They have his bird rights. They can work things out. I mean, it just makes sense to keep him. And the other thing to take, take into account when you're looking at his contract, and I heard, um, I think I was listening to, to Fred Katz, and he was mentioning this, saying that, hey, he kind of took – I was a little surprised by this point of view. He was saying that maybe you shouldn't sign him because that's something that the old regime would have done. That's something that Ernie Grunfeld would have done. And maybe that thought comes from how Ernie wanted to keep a reason, wanted to keep kind of – always wanted to bring back the band. That doesn't apply here to me. In this, in yeah, this that, 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 that makes zero sense to me. It's like why would we, why we take logic because of something that the old regime would do? And if, if the, literally – if the opportunity cost of signing this great player right now exceeds – 
the negative. Like, it, there's nothing, there, there's no reason why they should not make the decision. All the facts, all the logical, like, factors are pointing towards this being a fantastic decision. So right. just because it's, like, a perception thing of, you know, I, I, don't, I, I actually don't even believe Wizards Twitter believes that. Like, I don't think that, like, I think that if you were to poll Wizards Twitter, I think that, that there will be a overwhelming a majority of people who would say, yeah, of course they should resign the guy. So I, I don't agree with that logic at all. Right, <laughs> right. And I think there's also just a fundamental difference there. So when they re-signed Otto Porter and kind of married themselves with the Wall Beale Porter Big Three, when they did that, they, you know, they didn't have any picks. They didn't have – that was their team. It was those three – and Ernie leveraged everything they had. So they didn't have picks in the first round. They didn't have picks in the second round. They didn't have any young talent except for Kelly Oubre that they could develop behind them. So that was your core. Other teams kept adding to their core, and the Wizards' core was stuck. Yes, the Wizards would be paying Wall a supermax. They'd be paying Beal his, new co- his contract, and then they'd be giving Bertans whatever they pay him. But what Bertans is going to make is probably still going to be about $10 million less than what Otto Porter was making and Otto Porter is making that at a lower, with a lower salary cap in place. So it's percentage-wise, it's even smaller than that. On top of that, the Wizards kind of how Wizards have their picks. So you're going to have Rui Hachimura on his rookie contract for the next, including this year, four years. You're going to have Thomas Bryant and, and Mo Wagner, if they're both on the roster, on their deals for a combined $10 million for the next three years. Their next, their lottery pick next summer, which is probably a big part of what they're planning or what Tommy Shepard's overall plan is is going to be on a rookie contract for four years after this year. So those are big core pieces that they are probably considering as part of their plan that are going to be in addition to the salary they're setting aside for Wall. It has nothing to do with Wall, Beal, Bertans. You could have those three. It's not changing anything that's going on with Rui's contract, next year's lottery picks contract, Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner's contract, and what have you. So I, I just think it's misplaced. It's not, it didn't, it's not apples to apples at all. It's not the same in the same context of what occurred a few years ago with Ernie Grenfell. So again, pay Bertans because you're not paying. You already, we're already gonna. The Wizards are gonna be operating as above the cap team most likely. So and all your money is gonna be going to your youth. So you could pay Bertans, Beal, Wall, and not worry about the rest. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I I, I think that. Uh... Yeah, I think this is a very easy decision. But like I said, uh, this, this, everything that we just talked about will go completely out the window if, you know, Tommy Shepard goes to Bertans and he's like, you know what, man, I've never been a free agent. I'm thinking about him free agency this summer. Then you guys are probably trying to trade him, you know? Right, that changes everything. I mean, if he says that, then, yes, I'll, I mean, if he says that to, to, to Tommy Shepard and at the deadline, they have, to, they have to move him at that point because you can't – even if he says, I'll consider you guys, but I want to see what's out there, you got to trade him. You got to trade him. You got to trade him because the value is too good. Right. Now, if he says, I'm really leaning your way, I'll, I'll most likely give you guys a chance to match. That's when it gets a little dicey. And, and, but if you're getting, like, that strong, like, hey, I want to be here, you know, I mean, and look, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Last year when Ernie was still in charge, there was word that uh, or there was, like, always, like, hey, you know, Reza didn't get traded at the deadline, but him and Ern- him and the Wizards are excited about their future together. So there was probably some type of handshake deal that never transpired. I'm sure these things happen behind the scenes. You know, that's what Tommy Shepard has to be doing these next two months. Exactly, exactly. But, but I'm, I'm going to transition right now to a player that I think is a consensus uh, that Wizards Twitter is in love with and they want to come back. I, and I want to talk about a player – 
who uh, is probably not going to be here very long. And uh, there's there's a very good uh, reason for debate as to whether he should even be, you know, a, a solid rotation member or a starter going forward, and that's Isaiah Thomas. So I, IT uh, has missed the, the last three Wizards games, and I think that anybody who has been watching the team play uh, throughout the entire season, I mean, there, there's just a very noticeable difference with the way the team plays uh, when IT starts the game and uh, when IT is either not playing or not starting in the games, and I, I think that this is something that uh, it's a it's a it's a very it's a stylistic issue with the, how the team is playing, and it's something that I feel like is is kind of staring uh, head coach Scott Brooks in the face. And you know, I, I I'm just very curious to see how much longer this is going to go on. I think that you know he he's he Scott Brooks is actually kind of lucky right now. That, uh, that that IT's hurt, and so that that you know that, that he has to play other players. But I mean, when IT comes back, man, it, it, I mean, this is going to be a very interesting decision to see uh, what's going to happen. Well, well, where do you stand on uh, IT's uh, uh, starting role in the Wizards' offense, and do you think that that should continue? So you and I, last time I was on, we we were talking about this, and we thought a change was going to come. It it didn't come until IT got hurt. Um, I'm definitely not in favor of him starting. Frankly, I don't, you know, I, his his role just on the team doesn't, there's just, it's just not a fit. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, it's, a, what happened to him after Boston, it, it's tough. And you feel, you feel for the guy because he never got that big contract that he's looking for. And you want to, you want to see the redemption story. I mean, it's always, when he signed here, I was excited. It's like, you know what? I don't, I'm not expecting much, but I'm just hoping for the best. Hope that this guy could kind of, work it out and kind of, uh, you know, recreate himself here in D.C. But you see the issues. I mean, the defense hasn't been much better or, you know, since, he, since he's been hurt. They've had some tough opponents since then, obviously. They played the Clippers. They played, uh, they played Philadelphia. Um, but you can just see they look more competent than they did when he was on the floor. When he's on the floor, they're playing four and five on defense. Um, He's not even really putting up much of an much of an effort. Now, on top of that, the defense everyone knows about, so I don't even want to spend too much time there. I mean, it's just kind of you know it, it's just overkill at this point. Even on offense, I mean, kind of the argument behind moving on from Saturansky was uh, was Scott Brooks wanted a more push the tempo, push the tempo, fast pace, uh, you know, quicker quicker point guard. Isaiah Thomas is uh, like if you if you go to his tracking, like his average miles, you know, like uh, tracking speed that NBA.com keeps is, is not very high. It's on the low, very low end because you can see he can't really move on the floor, whereas you see Ish Smith come in, and Ish Smith is just, the second he gets the ball, he's always on the move. He's always probing. He's never standing still with the ball. He's driving. He's going into the paint. He's coming back out of the paint. He goes back into the paint, comes back out, comes back out. And he's, and like the weakness with Ish is his shooting, but he's shooting relatively well compared to what he has in the past. So as long as he's shooting decently, like he's shooting 45% from the field and 35% from three, he's clearly the better point guard for what Scott Brooks conceivably wants or what we think he wants and what, what works for the team. Like with his ability to get into the paint, get out of the paint, is creating opportunities for his teammates, whereas IT slowly bringing the ball up and just kind of working mainly just for his jump shot isn't really helping the team. It's helping. It just gets himself points. It doesn't get anyone else points. Yeah, I mean, shoot, man. I, I think it's crazy to think about how much different the team looks with, with, with him not on the floor. And I, I think that the, one of the things that I think is very noticeable is the fact that 
Chris Tioza and Isaiah Thomas are literally like the same size. And Chris Tioza is just a, an immensely better defender than Isaiah Thomas. Like, I, it, it, it really comes down to, like, an effort thing uh, on the on the defensive end with IT. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he literally dies on screens. He doesn't make any attempt to, to, to fight through screens. Like, he, when, 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 when his man, if he loses his man, he'll – He'll spend so many possessions where he just stands around, just looking at people, and he won't dive, he won't crash the board to try to rebound. Like he's literally a, a one-way player. And so, right, and and it's tough to watch now. I mean, like you see him, it's actually the minutes that he's on the court are not like you know when you're a bad team, you always want you always call him like, hey, are they a fun bad team? When they when he's on the floor, they're not a fun team to watch. It's it's difficult to watch because. You could just see the the position that he's putting his teammates in, and the lack of effort there. And even then, like I was saying, you just don't get it on the off outside of just his shooting, which is really making him still productive, at least on offense. You're not getting it. Like you're not getting tempo. You're not getting passing. You're not getting those things that you want. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to watch, and you know, I, I'm just I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I think that um, this will be. This would be another one of those uh, indictments on Scott Brooks as a coach to see how he handles this. Right. Um, I, I, as somebody who has been around the team and around Scott Brooks for a while, I mean, I think I know how this plays out. <laughs> but <laughs> I, like, I, think, I just, I just, I just don't think that he's going to make the change. I, I, it, it, I think, I think we're we, we're going to be in for a long season of of watching uh, it play. Unless he. You know, it, uh, he, he's out with that calf string. And, and really, I think that Chioza, if Chioza, he has an opportunity right now to kind of seize a moment. And, you know, I don't think that he's really taking advantage of his opportunity as much as he could be um, just because he's really, I mean, he's a great uh, facilitator uh, as far as, like, getting guys open and getting guys shot. But at, at a certain point, uh, he has to look for his own shot just because of the way that teams are defending Brad right now. Like, I mean, guys, like, teams are really, like, doubling Brad and trapping Brad before he even gets the ball. Like, and, and so that leaves, like, another defender open. And, and, and I'll give Drew Gooden this uh, this one credit, piece of credit right here <laughs> on the broadcast. Just one. He's been bringing up a lot about how Chioza needs to start cutting more uh, when the teams are doubling Brad. Like, Chioza, you know, I mean, he's a decent spot-up shooter, but he's got to do more on the offensive end as far as, you know, cutting to the basket, looking to get the ball, and then when he gets the ball, I mean, he's got to look at the rim because teams are right. kind of defending him a certain way because they know that he's automatically looking to pass. Right. Yeah, I think Shields is actually, he's, yeah, he's had some, some flashes where you see uh, definitely the defensive pressure that he applies, and he, he he's like he's not overwhelmed when he's out there. Like his – if people try to press up on him, he will, you know, his quickness allows him to get by them, and he knows how to use his quickness. But like, like you said, he's, he, he can't be a self-check on offense, and he has to at least look at the hoop a little more often and kind of just use his quickness when, when Beal is getting blitzed. And I think that would help him. I mean, part of it is probably just him getting comfortable in, in the role that he's playing now on, on the big team versus the G League, and you'd like to see that aggressiveness come out more, like have more confidence to drive more and just knock down those open shots. I mean, right now he's shooting 25% from the field. He's shooting better from three, but it, the attempts are so minimal, I don't know what you could really take out of that. But he has to keep shooting and make himself a threat so that teams 
don't totally just ignore him on the offensive end of the floor. Exactly. Yeah, I think like his the sample size is so small that I don't think there's right. really much you can take from like you know his shooting percentages right now. He's got to he's got he's got to get himself in the game. But, exactly. Uh, exactly. Another player who uh, is is uh, you know kind of been up and down as far as the Wizards' season is concerned is uh, Troy Brown Jr. Who uh, was recently benched uh, over, I think, the same time period that Isaiah Thomas has been out the last three games. Uh, the team has started uh, Isak Bunga at small forward and brought Troy Brown off the bench. And I, I think that this is, it's not coincidental that Troy Brown has strung together, you know, two or three of his best games of the season in that role coming off of the bench. Because I honestly believe that, you know, he is a player that uh, succeeds a lot more with the ball in his hands. And, you know, if he plays in the starting lineup, he's really between, you know, uh, Ish being the point guard and bringing the ball up the court and Brad being the star and taking all the shots and then Rui, you know, having his role solidified in the offense. There really isn't a role for Troy Brown within that starting unit. So I think that it, it just it, – this is one of those situations where I honestly believe that Troy Brown is destined to be – a a nice he, he's a, a, a he's a seven eight man rotation guy but I don't think he's going to be an NBA starter but right. I, and, I, and not to say that there's anything wrong with that because you know there are very they're great by like, role players in the NBA that and he could be one of those guys but I I just think that he needs to have the ball in his hands and I don't think he's ever going to be good enough to be you know a starting one or two um, you know I would like to see him play as a one right now. But I think that, at the very least, I like what they're doing with by putting him with the second unit and allow him to, you know, play with the ball in his hands and to be able to create a little bit more and dribble. And, you know, he looks more confident in that role. And, and I think that this is something that, you know, I, I do have to give Scott Brooks credit for. Yeah, so I actually wrote about this, I think it was about a week ago, um, when he first got moved out of the starting lineup. I mean, uh, you know, the reaction wasn't – you know, people re- reacted like, as you'd imagine, they reacted like, oh, I can't believe Brooks is doing this, especially after Troy barely played last year. But the bottom line was he wasn't playing well as a starter. I mean, he, he did some good things. Like, he, he competed defensively. He would get some rebounds. But his production, like you said, his production as a reserve actually is, is better, even just on just raw numbers basis, is better than what he was doing as a starter in starter minutes. And, and like you said, the, the fit wasn't there for him. Like, he was – he was like fourth or fifth in line to get the ball in his hands, and he's really like a secondary type playmaker. So, it did, like his skill set wasn't match, didn't match up well with the starting lineup. So, since he's gone to the bench, you've had like against the Clippers, uh, I believe it was Sunday, he had like 22 points, five rebounds, four assists. Against Charlotte in their last game, he didn't score shoot as well as he did versus the Clippers, but he still had eight rebounds, four assists uh, off the bench. And then, so he's had a couple of games like this. He had eight, four, and four against Philadelphia in their big win last week. So. He's, like you said, uh, like he may, I don't know, like long-term, I'm not going to say he's only 20 years old, so I don't want to write him off as a potential starter. I'm, I kind of share a little of your skepticism as to is he a starter long-term. What I see is, like, you know, even when I see him matched up against small fours, he looks a little small. And then he seems like someone who maybe should be more of a point guard, but then is he, is he a good enough or dynamic enough point guard to be the starting point guard for a contender? I don't know. I don't think so, but that doesn't, but you know, I don't think so, but I don't, you know, I can't say anything definitively yet at this early in his career, but like you said, there's nothing wrong if the 15th pick in, a, in the draft ends up just being a seventh or eighth man playing 20, 20 to 25 minutes a game. There's 
a meaningful role there, and that's an important player on a good team. And he could do that where he's not then defined by, like, oh, he has to be a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, what have you. He could just he could just be on the court, do a little bit of everything. They're not depending on him to score. They're not depending on him to do this. If he just if he's if the shot is on and he gives you ten points, that's cool. He'll still give you his rebounds. He'll still give you some assists. He'll still give you some steals. Plays with a high IQ. Those are all good things. And there's a there's like a fit for a player like that on this team as it builds. And and like I think Brooks made the right decision moving to the bench because those that was being lost with him as a starter. And also like he went from not playing at all last year to being kind of just thrown into the starting lineup. There is like some type. There is like a learning curve and maybe. If he is going to develop in their starter long term, it's a process. And maybe he wasn't ready to go from no minutes to starter minutes. And maybe he gets there by transitioning as a bench player first. Yeah, no, I, and, and that is where I will definitely have to give you credit for because that's the, I, I, I tried not to do that too, like writing off 20 year olds and saying, you know, what I think that he, you know, could be. You know, and, and you're 100% right about that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just. I just don't really see like his elite NBA skill. I don't know. Right. I don't know what his elite NBA skill is. And so, if you don't have an elite NBA skill, then it's, it makes it like I don't know, almost impossible for you to be a starting player on a on a, on a championship caliber team. But you know, he could. I think that you know his uh, well, one of the player comps that people had for him coming out of the draft was Andre Iguodala, and you know, Andre Iguodala was never really a star player. He was a star in his role. And as right. a role like, and I think that if Troy Brown could aspire to even be, you know, seventy five percent as good as you know the career that Andre Iguodala had, like I think that the Wizards would be very happy, you know, having picked him with the fifteenth pick. I totally agree, and, and like you said, like Iguodala was a star in being a star in his role, and what Iguodala had that Troy doesn't have is is that elite athleticism. But like you said, if he could just amount to like 75% or even like just a percentage of him, that's that's fine because, again, you're still getting a quality player at that point who could do a lot of different things and whose impact on the floor like might be greater than what his numbers are showing. Yep, yep. And I think, you know, it, 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 it'll be a, a, a learning curve for him. And, you know, it, I, I just – I'm looking forward to seeing him actually get out there and, and play a little bit more. You know, I wish that we could have gotten – you know, the learning curve, I feel like, would have been accelerated a little bit more if he were playing, you know, uh, last year in front of Ron Baker and Sam Decker. But, you know, I, I, I've talked about that and ranted on that on, on uh, numerous podcasts before. But, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see where Troy Brown is going to go. And, you know, I, I, I really am looking forward to seeing how, you know, Troy Brown and Rui and, and Bonga and Mo Wagner, how these guys continue to develop because they're also very young Um and I, I think that, you know, Brad is doing a good job of, of trying to uh, mobilize the troops. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that you and I, we, we had this discussion on Twitter the other day that, you know, that the team now needs a little bit more from, from Brad uh, from this standpoint as far as, you know, him taking over games. And I think, you know, that, that, that's one of the things that separates, you know, all-star players from all NBA players. And, and, and to me, I think, I think that Brad, you know, is, is kind of – he, he, he's kind of missing that step and, and trying to take that that next step to to, to being that type of player. Uh, well, what did you see from Brad uh, from that that game, in particular the Charlotte game, where you know he he literally played like the fourth or fifth best player on the court, and you know in a game against Charlotte, that shit pretty much never ever happened. Yeah, it just 
it's been, and it's funny, like last time we talked to, he was coming off, he was off to a slow start to the season. Then Brad kind of got cooking for a few weeks. And then every time he had a big game, uh, you know, our mention, someone would, someone would at me or at you kind of saying, oh, look at him now, look at him now. It's like, and now see, we're going we're gonna to say some things that people aren't going to like about Brad today. And same thing's going to happen when Brad goes on another streak. But, you know, you're right, though. It is, it is what it is. Like the, the Charlotte game was a perfect example. He is. He should have clearly, distinctly been the been the best player on the floor that night. And like you could argue that there were five or six other players better than him that day. I mean, he definitely wasn't even the best player on the Wizards. Davis Bertans was the best player on the Wizards that night. And Smith had some good moments. Brad, on the other hand, is just it's just not all coming together. I think the way see last year at the end of the year, I thought he gave. He gave signs that he was developing consistency. It was like that whole last 40 game stretch. He was really playing at a high level, and he was, you know, he was being impactful. I think in games, even even it was it was down the stretch of the season, and not all those games meant anything. But he was still just being impactful and putting up like you know you could you would you would see his presence during a game. Right now, like the Charlotte game, for example, 16 points, and he took 19 shots, 0 for 7 for three. And uh, and even then, like, just take the offense out of it. And <clears throat> the Charlotte guards, Devontae Graham, he was just, like, you know, his, his unconscious dropping threes. At that point, you'd like to see – I would like to love to just see Brad, you know, in the season opener, he kind of pushed, pushed some of the guys inside saying, I'm taking Luka. Why didn't he do that in this game? Like, kind of just make your – even if your, your shot's not falling, make your presence known, be the impactful, you know, all-star that you are, and if you really want to make the leap to becoming an all-NBA player, this is kind of where, you know, yes, this is a team that's not supposed to win yet, but with how some of the players are playing, like Bertans is playing, what have you, they could be better than what they were if he was just playing to the level that I think he's capable of playing, but that we just have not seen consistently over his career. I mean, you look at, then you look at like a let, – let's just actually take it, take it back a couple of days. Before the Clippers game, they played Miami. And – um, Jimmy Butler, I believe, had a triple-double against us. Meanwhile, Brad had shot 7 for 17 from the field and um, kind of faded down the stretch again. Exactly. But that's the thing, that he keeps fading down the stretch, and it's like, you know, those, that's, the, that's the winning time. Like, the Wizards were mm-hmm. actually up, like, a dozen points in that Miami game at, at one point. Like, and at the end of the game, like, with four minutes left, like, and then, like Miami completely took the game over. I knew the game was over. I knew it was just like, like Jimmy Butler, like, literally – Took the game over, right? And so like Brad, I mean, they, I mean, they played the same position. Like you, you can't, you can't let that happen. Yeah, at least put up some type of resistance. But you know, I, I think, and and Brad, and I think that when we talk about, uh, you know, people talking to us on Twitter, you know, like just, I think we we're going to be consistent talking about Brad. I'm going to praise Brad when he plays well, but I'm also not going to be afraid to speak out when the guy's not playing well. And I think that there are a lot of people who cover the team who are afraid to be negative talking about, like, it's okay to say that Brad didn't have a good game. Like, Brad, even himself, I promise you there has never been a game where I said that Brad had a bad game where he himself, after the game, didn't say that he had a bad game. So, it's like, he, he's very honest and self-aware with himself. So, like, it's, not, it's okay to, for people to be critical. Like, the guy, the guy is one of the, definitely one of the best 20 players in the NBA right now. You know, it, it's just something that, you know, the, the team has to, to watch out for with, with, you know, him and his growth and his development and becoming a superstar. I, I hope that he's able to take that next step. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he has to, and, and like you said, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler took over the game. I think before the season, 
if you asked who was better, Brad Beal or Jimmy Butler, I would think you probably would have gotten a 50-50 take on it. If you ask that question now, the majority of the I don't think, it, I don't think, I don't think it's even close. Like, it's not even close. You see Jimmy Butler's impact on the Miami Heat. And they're, they're uh, winning basketball games. With, with, exactly. With, they're winning with, basketball games. Uh, they have a better – that you never heard of. Yeah, they have, like, ideally, probably they do have a little bit better, but a lot of these guys, like you said, are undrafted. They're just developing the system, and they're following his lead because, frankly, they seem terrified to not follow his lead. Um, <laughs> Beal, yeah, on the I other mean, hand, like... Brad is definitely, he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not bringing fire and brimstone to Wizards practices like Jimmy Butler, but Brad, Brad's been getting a little feisty, though, I, I will say that. Yeah. But, it, it, yeah, but it's, been, it's, been, it's been a very good thing. It's a, it's a motivational thing. So, but exactly. I think that this is one of those situations where, you know, sometimes you got to – it's good to do, you know, all the rah-rah stuff, and sometimes you got to lead by example, too. So, I think right. this is one of those times where – and, and the season goes through stretches. So, you know, it, it'll be a stretch of, you know, ball between, you know, once the Christmas break starts and, you know, the all-star break, where I think that, you know, if, if Brad is able to get into a groove and, you know, the Wizards are able to, you know, kind of tweak their lineups a little bit, I think that they, they they can be playing a little bit better ball, and you know th- th- this will be a team that you know uh, I think that, that you know the playoffs that that's definitely out. Like really, obviously from my from my own personal uh, gambling standpoint, I just want them to hit that damn over. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I feel I feel pretty good about it, even though they're kind of like right on pace right now. You know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how this plays out, but I feel good about. They'll get there. It. They'll get there. Was it twenty twenty seven? Right. Twenty-seven. Yep, you'll get there. I think, yeah, they'll they'll go on some run where they have some home games and and look, Brad really hasn't. He's had a, a couple of good stretches, but once he gets that like good like, well, he'll have one good twenty thirty game stretch, and that'll <laughs> you'll get your you'll get your plus twenty-seven. Yeah, man, I hope so. I hope so, man. But I, was, man, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on and chop it up and talk some uh, Wizards basketball right now. Uh, I want to give you this uh, time to go ahead and. and and plug your work and, and where the people can find you. Like uh, like you were just talking about, you, you just you just wrote a, a great article on Bullets Forever uh, about a week ago. So you go, go ahead and, and plug that article and, and plug anything else that you might be working on. Yeah, so I worked on – I wrote a piece about Troy Brown and kind of how I think this could be the good role, uh, the right role for him on Bullets Forever, I believe it was last week. Um, and just like, yeah, I had a couple pieces come out a few weeks before that one just on the X-Wizards. One just on on also how in this rebuilding year, kind of don't view things always necessarily. Oh, they're great on the de- offense, bad on defense. So I took one as like what they're doing on offense is good. That is there is a good take a good takeaway from that, and kind of focus on those things. Don't worry too much about the wins and losses in what is a season where I think their goal the goal isn't to win right away. Their goal is to is to develop, and their goal is also some lottery balls next June. So. Like, you know, like keep that big picture in mind and, and take the wins where you can take them. Take like the, uh, the what, what's going on with Breton, that's, Breton's, that's a win. What's going on with their offense, that's a win. Yes, there are some things to be concerned about, and those are things that have to be cleaned up, but this was a process. Shepard's been here for a few months, and it's going to take some time to put it all together. Exactly. You know, it, 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 you're not going to be able to turn the Titanic around in, in one fell swoop. <laughs> you know, it's going to take a little around to get that, that ship turned around. But – I think that everybody can say that, that Tommy Shepard has this thing pointing in the right direction. So I, I don't think that's even a, a debatable topic at this point. So in, in Tommy, we trust, and I feel like uh, everybody else should, should follow through with that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, follow the leader.
Chillin' back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking, they try getting pants. Late with money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a stripper like fucking. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I wanna ball like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she was shot for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.